Welcome to the Russell Ball Podcast, guys. We are your host, as always. My name is Joseph Tai. Joining me today is my good friend, Mark Belraj. And we have a special guest, Mark. He is a returning guest. He's an undisputed doctor. His, the doctor is in the house. Mr. Dr. Curran Badwell. Curran, hey, guys. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for the warm intro, man. And thanks for having me back on the show. I'm kind of excited to do this again. Nice. Uh, first and foremost, uh, hopefully you and your family are well, obviously, during these uh, pandemic times. Uh, how's everything been in Minnesota? Not bad. I mean, Minnesota hasn't been hit as bad as the other states here in the U.S., so that's a good thing. Um, cases continue to rise. Nothing's really changed from that standpoint. Uh, we still all have stay-at-home orders, so, uh, but things are getting relaxed slowly, gradually, so... Uh, things are improving. We'll see. I see more and more people outside. So now you haven't been back to uh, Toronto uh, since the like lockdown stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't. I didn't go back. I was supposed to go back end of March, but I had to cancel my flight because I didn't know what was. I didn't know what was going to happen. One is that they have this kind of rule where if you come back, you have to self quarantine, and then on top of that, I would have to come back into the U.S. where I wasn't really a citizen. So I was like, uh, just for like the purpose of. Uh, just for the purpose of not taking any chances, I've been in the U.S. since. So, yeah, it's been about three months now since I've come back to Toronto, which is a big deal for me because considering how frequently I used to come back to Toronto before that. So Right. So what yeah. are exactly the uh, travel restrictions and stuff that are going on right now for you? Or do, are you, are there no restrictions for you because you're a yeah, frontline so, worker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a frontline worker, there's no restrictions for me, right? Like we have restrictions in the workplace. Like, for example, we get screened every single time we go into a building, any like health building, hospital, clinics, etc. On top of that, uh, we all have to like wear masks, which is like a new thing now, at least over the last two or three weeks. So gradually, we're trying to reopen things, but we're also trying to enforce more strict rules into clinics. So uh from that standpoint, yeah, I can easily go. I mean, I can easily, I don't have any like real travel restrictions as long as like I'm going to the hospital. No one's really questioned me until now in terms of like where you're going or anything. So, um, yeah. But yeah, like you can cross through the uh, border and everything freely. Oh, yeah. So uh, I should be able to cross back into Canada freely, right? But okay. I don't know too much about coming back into the US. I would suspect that since. Uh, being a healthcare worker and kind of being on the front line that they will let me back into the US, but you never know, right? Um, and I just didn't want to take any chances. Like coming back into Canada should be fine because I'm a Canadian citizen. Um, but yeah, coming back into the US for where I have a visa might be a little bit difficult. That is an interesting time. So uh, for those who are unaware, our buddy Kern is born and raised in Toronto, currently living in Minnesota. Um, so you're just finishing up your, what is it your residency or? Yeah. Fellowship now. So fellowship, I'm doing okay. a, yeah, well, I'm doing a one year fellowship in geriatrics. So after that, I'm going to be, that's going to actually end at the end of June. So I'm going to be coming back to Toronto after that and I will see what happens. Right. So for, for, for our, uh, listeners who don't know what geriatrics is, what, what exactly is the study of geriatrics? So geriatrics is kind of actually the care of older people, usually about 75 or up. Um, so there's a lot of factors that you take into consideration that requires extra training, right? Like, for example, when people are a lot older, one is that their gait, balance, all those things are affected, right? So um, you want to try to uh, you want to try to ensure that they're able to ambulate, that they're able to mobilize. And there's there's a lot of factors like we call them geriatric syndromes, like kind of like where there's just so many factors involved that's contributing to like one disease. 
Um, so the care of geriatrics is kind of like specializing in that and gaining an expertise in that and uh, treating people because it does really require extra year of training, right? And then of course, when people are a lot older, they have different goals of care, right? Not everyone wants to be cured of their disease. Some people are like, okay, I'd rather just not pursue treatment. I'd rather just live like the best quality of my life. So you have to take that into consideration as well, right? Sometimes, especially when you don't have that extra year of training, you're kind of like in that mindset where you want to treat everything, but you got to take that into consideration with older people. So it's been, it's been great, right? Like I met patients who are like over a hundred years old, right? I've joked about with them about like, Oh, you've lived through both the influenza pandemic and the coronavirus. <laughs> pandemic. Right. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's pretty rewarding. It's, um, it's definitely like a different group of people, but, um, it's it's been it's been good now now going back to uh COVID 19 how's your particular hospital been able to deal with it like have you been uh, experiencing the same kind of experiences that some of these other hospitals have in which they feel they they're under a lot of stress and there's not enough ventilators and all that stuff or have you guys been okay we've been okay yeah we've been okay until now yeah and i think i think the reason why is uh minnesota um didn't have too many cases to begin with like it wasn't hit hard, right? So like, and I guess we've taken some measures at the beginning to kind of flatten the curve. You so guys currently I, have a lockdown right now. Uh, yeah, it's uh, we do have a we do have a lockdown right now, but it is uh, easing at this time, and I think it's over the next two to four weeks going to be easing. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so it's, uh, uh, it's yeah, so we kind of flattened it a little bit early. We're we're not in that issue right now where we don't have enough ventilators. Uh, we usually have specialized units that are taking care of coronavirus patients. So it's, um, yeah, so I guess we've also got lucky in that regard. But still, there are a substantial number of cases. And one of the fears we always have is of coronavirus being released into a potential nursing home because that's where the mortality is the highest. Right. So, um, yeah, so just being extra cognizant about that is uh, pretty important. But Minnesota overall hasn't been hit as hard as the other states. Gotcha. How, how is Minnesota? Uh, uh, first question I have about Minnesota is, is it a little higher altitude or is I, or is no, it? No, uh, uh, actually, uh, I can't answer that question. I don't think it's a higher altitude, uh, necessarily. Like it's not like Utah and those places. Right. But, okay. uh, Minnesota, honestly, I think of it as, uh, I think of it as a way like Toronto is like, um, Ontario, like it, it's, it's a lot of flatland, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you go a little bit up North in Minnesota, it does become a little bit more hilly. You wouldn't necessarily have like, kind of like the mountains, of course, but, uh, I would think of it as being a little bit more like Ontario, but probably a little bit more hills too, as you go a little bit up north. So like Minnesota, um, if you look at it, um, it's directly north, uh, directly south of Winnipeg. So if oh, I was to drive okay. north directly from here, I would actually make it into Manitoba. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, so is <laughs> yeah. it actually uh, further north than uh, Toronto? Uh, no, we're pretty much at the same same uh, kind of like uh, same okay. latitude actually okay. as Toronto. Yeah, but just uh, just more towards the west end. All right, so now all of you guys have probably heard about the uh, potential restart in the NBA. Obviously, a lot of rumors going around that uh, they want to possibly play in Vegas or Disney World or, or wherever it's going to be. Uh, the main One of the main concerns, though, is obviously test kits. Uh, now, as someone who works in the front line, do you see this being an issue or do you think the media is kind of overplaying this more than it should be? No, I think, uh, I, I think test kits are pretty important. A lot of steps need to be taken in order for the NBA to um, come back, right? And I'm not like a really an expert in this or like, uh, um, or or know like what the internal conversations are, of course, with them. But 
from what I know is that in order for one to successfully have a league come back, the first step is to be able to test pretty much pretty liberally, right? So like any player who needs a test will be able to get it like the day of, the moment of, and you should be able to get the results on the same day as well, right? So even at this point, testing has been like pretty difficult, right? Not everyone could get their hands on their on a test, right? So so that would be the first step, right? And then the second step is of course like our players willing to take the risks, right? So um I know I think like a substantial at least from what I've been reading is that a substantial amount of players are willing to uh, are willing to take a risk, right? That's, like that's if, right. If, I I forget which player said it, but I think somebody said yeah. if they did a poll it would be like 70% would be willing yeah. to restart. Exactly, yeah. But then there's also that other 30% that also would be kind of like fearful of their lives, right? And uh, understandably so, right? Like there are fears that come with this, right? Oh, well I do have coronavirus, well I spread this to my family. Uh, do I have older people living with me as well, right? So there's a lot of things that can go into this, but um, I think the steps that they're taking, especially like being in a bubble, uh, like in a city, um, that of course is the right thing to do, right? You want to be minimally exposed to anyone else, especially people who have some sort of risk factors that can cause them to be more sick, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I think those first steps need to be taken, and then at the end, um, it's probably going to be one of those things where we're just going to have to play it out with all the steps that we have, all the provisions that we have, and just see how it works out, right? Now, now, uh, why is there such a, a shortage with uh, test kits? Is Are they difficult? Like, do you have any idea? Are, are they difficult to make? Or is there a reason why we have such a shortage? Because it um, seems like some other countries have no shortages, and, and they've done very well. Like, I know South Korea did very well with uh, implementing test kits. Did you hear what they did, yeah. though? No, the, I didn't. Uh, they, so basically, the way South Korea did it was... Uh, uh, they did it using by tracking people's phones. So as soon as one person, I believe, was infected, they tracked their phone to wherever else they had been, and they warned all the people that were in that in those areas at that time. I think more or less within a day or so, and then they would tell those people to lock down. And they sort of did this whole like I don't know. If you guys have seen uh, uh, Dark Knight with the Joker, sort of like a cell phone screening, 3D screening of uh, their area. They didn't do that, obviously, to that respect, but uh, they used cell phone tracking to shut down the people that may have been infected and may have uh, been able to spread the disease. So they were able to control it a lot better. But but even then, it seems like they had enough test kits because I remember seeing media footage and they had actually like these uh, testing booths set up in the middle of the street so you could literally on the street yeah. walk up to the booth and get tested. Uh, whereas over here in, in Ontario specifically, uh, there are people that won't even get won't even be able to get tested because they either one weren't in contact with someone with COVID-19 or weren't in an area in which COVID-19 uh, cases occurred. Uh, so, you know, they're not being tested for those reasons, even if they have all the symptoms. So for me, it's it's kind of like some countries seem to have enough test kits and, and, and others like Canada and, and, and the U.S. don't seem to. So I, I'm not yeah. sure. I think, you know, um, I'm not 100% sure about the answer uh, to this, but from what I understand is that uh, it also depends on the geographical breakdown of the U.S. as well. Some places that have been especially hit hard, for example, New York State, California, I think it went too fast. Like, uh, so it spread too fast, and uh, I think they just didn't have the amount of laboratory personnel for it either. Um, as well as despite the uh, also needing the test kits, but the laboratory personnel and just mobilizing all these test kits to where it was needed. Um, 
that being said, there are some states that have done well, right? So like, uh, but it also was based on the amount of cases we have, right? For example, like Minnesota, we can, um, like, I think, uh, uh, I think like number of, uh, the number, our testing capability was gradually rising as the month went on, right? Like we weren't testing as much a uh, month ago as we are now, right? So it depends on how many personnel you have working. It depends on how many test kits you have available. But yeah, I think, I think it depends. I think it just had to do with things just got hit too fast and just trying to get the right amount of test kits there. Um, I think it takes quite a bit to make these test kits as well. So I think that's another issue, but just having the personnel to also conduct these tests is a big deal as well. And, what, yeah. do, what do these test kits consist of? What are they, what are they, is, like a, is it a mouth swab and then you're... Yeah. What are yeah. you testing? So a, what are you looking for? Yeah, yeah. So it's a swab. It's a swab that actually goes like through your nasal cavity, pretty much all oh. the way towards the back, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's a pretty uncomfortable test, from what I've heard. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Maybe that's why yeah. there's a shortage. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then they run an analysis on that to see if uh, potentially if they grow the virus on that, right? So um, that's what the test kits consist of. Um, what are you looking so, for though, specifically? Is it like a uh are you looking for like antibodies or yeah, or, or sorry I'm, I'm not uh it's like a it's like a pcr test so um okay. yeah you're looking for uh yeah you're trying to like amplify like the nucleic acids and seeing if it's like oh. the coronavirus yeah okay. all right now uh obviously we're all basketball fans here so i'm just gonna ask you straight up do you guys think the nba should be returning for this season no Kern? I would have to say no as well. Uh, I'll give you my reasoning first. Uh, I, I, I mean, there the few things that were floated around was Disney World, Las Vegas, Basketball Island, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. Um, I think uh, what you have to do is isolate everybody. Um, and that'll create problems for people who have families, people that need to be home, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you're taking them away from their families for this long period of time, uh, it could be very stressful to them. Um, let's, and, and on the virus side of things, all you need is one case to come out and you have to shut the whole thing down all over again. And then you got to quarantine those guys for an additional 14 days to bring them back home. Now, now, Mark, let me give you a hypothetical, though. Let's say 99% of the league wants to return. Does, oh, that, by change, all... does that change your opinion at all? Or By all means. Um, I still don't think it should happen. But if 99% of them feel that they want to finish the season. Um, I'm not going to hold it against them. That's going to be great for our podcast for one and for, for my entertainment purposes. So I definitely wouldn't be opposed to it, but I don't think it should happen for the time being. And Kern, what, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, just kind of being devil's advocate for this. Um, I think a lot of things have to go right, right. In order for the league to resume, right. One is that, like we talked about earlier, the players have to accept that there's a risk. And two, uh, what do you do if someone does develop? Just like what Mark was saying, what, what do you do if uh, uh, what do you do if uh, someone does get the disease, right? Or and then like you quarantine everyone else, right? Like the way the first quarantine or the way the first time it got shut down was that like Rudy Gobert tested positive, <laughs> and next thing you know, the Raptors had to self quarantine, and every other team that came in contact with Utah had to self quarantine. And now, from a logistical standpoint, that doesn't even make any sense to resume the season, let alone the safety aspect itself. So here's a um, question I have though: uh, the test kits themselves, will they detect right away if you have it, or is there a period where the test kit might not pick it up and you may still be carrying it? 
Uh, yeah, so I have had, uh, there are, there is experiences with that where the test kit uh, doesn't detect it, but you could still be carrying it. Okay. And they could be tested again a couple of days later and they'll be positive. And that has happened. So okay. uh, the okay. tests have to get better too. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because if the test kits were able to instantly uh, detect it, then you could easily say if someone gets the virus and you test everybody, everybody who passes can go ahead and play. But if you're saying that, you know, you, you may be able to be negative on that test and then still have the virus then you're you're right there's not there's too much risk involved there if that's the case yeah yeah so so the test uh, i so i will make an assumption right like by the time the nba uh, resumes they will have a test kit that will be pretty superior to what we have right now right mm -hmm. and we'll be better at detecting it so let's just make the assumption that like these test kits can pick it up the first time and whatever the first time is is pretty accurate right so then the question comes is like, okay you have to test uh, i'm assuming that they would test every single person every single day right probably probably before the game maybe even after the game too right i'm not sure what they're planning but um then it comes down to like if someone was positive right do you quarantine the other people who were exposed to them or do you just let them play and in which case do you then test them more frequently too so i think there's a lot of factors involved right i don't think it's impossible for the nba uh, season to resume I think in all honesty, they're leaning towards it resuming, but I think there's just so many factors that we haven't even foreseen yet until the NBA season resumes in whatever capacity they decide. And then we'll see later on what the consequences are or if it works, which would be great. So I know that uh, baseball, uh, they're pushing for, uh, I believe, a late June start. Um, do you foresee sort of the same things um, in terms of a timeline? Yeah, in terms of a timeline, in terms of uh, the risk that 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 are still posed uh, by the virus being around, like uh, well, well, let's talk about the MLB for a second. Do you think that June timeline is even accurate? Because no. for me, I don't see that yeah. happening. No, it's got to be September, so. I think, and that's when yeah. football is going to start too. So, but but yeah, uh, yeah, I don't see June as being feasible. But the only thing is, uh, MLB. I mean, is June or like, uh, I, I mean, I don't know how they're going to do a baseball season like later in the year, right? All these stadiums are open, right? <laughs> yeah. They don't have a retractable dome like the Sky Dome. So like, yeah. it's going to get pretty cold, right? And right. Uh, <laughs> I think their window is like pretty small, right? So shortened um, season? <laughs> yeah, I don't think they have, yeah, a shortened season. Uh, they were, I think last time I read, they were planning for like an 82 game season. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but it's like yeah, which is like what's a typical uh, what's a typical season? Hundred and sixty. Sixty. Yeah. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah. So so I don't know how they're gonna do that though, because uh, it's oh. okay. First of all, I don't think June is I don't think that June is makeable, right? We don't know. Like we haven't really heard too much about the MLB. Maybe I didn't do enough research into it, but I don't know what they're planning right now. Well, uh, I don't. I don't even think society is gonna be back to normal by June. Let alone yeah. being able to open up, you know, massive stadiums. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but going back to the NBA though, um, and Mark and I talked about this last week. Do you even think it's like, why would you want to, like, just from a competitive standpoint, why would you even want to continue the season? Like, if you were to win a championship in a season like this, would it even be worth it? Is kind of the question I, I'd like to pose. <clears throat> Um, it's definitely going to have a strange asterisk next to it as it being a shortened season, probably a shortened playoffs, probably lesser teams in the playoffs. So it's one of those really tricky things. I don't know if you guys saw the stat. I think it was posted in our WhatsApp group, but every time the 
uh, a Toronto team wins a championship for the first time, the following season usually gets canceled. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. The first championship, right? The yeah. first championship, just yeah. the first one. Yeah, yeah, so I whatever, whatever first championship we get in a, whatever professional organization, the following year we shut it down. I don't know. The risk. I, I think. I think it was a it was a valuable gamble, but uh, that's pretty extreme. So, so in my mind, like, you don't restart the season unless you can get it all done before, like, October. Because the longer you delay it, the more you're just going to impact next season. So wouldn't you rather just have, a, a, you know, a proper next season with a full, you know, 82 games and all of that stuff as opposed to having, you know, finishing off this season and then having to cut next season short because you're ending in, in October or November or whenever they want to end. Because there have been rumors that they want to start next season in December. Which is crazy to me. That's stupid. Yeah. yeah. You might as well just cancel this season starting in, in, in October like you normally do, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. That's just my feelings. Uh, the NBA is, it's again, I don't think we should start it. I'm pretty sure you guys don't think we should restart it either. Uh, that said, I think they said that they're, they're slated to lose about a billion dollars because uh, the season isn't going to finish. So, you know. Yeah. A billion dollars is a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah, it is quite a bit of money. But, you know, another way to also look at it as well is that if you if you fast forward like five years down the road and then you look back on this, right, and one canceled season, um, like they're going to make it back, right? Like you're going to make the revenue back uh, oh, for eventually, sure. right? For sure. Right? So, so another way to think about it is that uh, like – the economy always rebounds. Your revenue always rebounds. Um, your life cannot rebound. So, it's uh, so, so you gotta. Uh, when we look back at like the NBA, right? If you go back to like 2005, right? We weren't thinking about like oh 1999 and how much money the NBA lost, right? In that season, right? Like they just it, it just goes on, right? It just moves on. I think right now in the moment, yes, we see that it's going to be a huge financial crisis for the NBA to lose that much money. But in the long run, the NBA is a successful. Um, successful, I guess, uh, empire. <laughs> and for sports. sure. And for sure. Yeah. That's well, a, an interesting point you brought up, though. But my question to you, though, especially for you, since you are, uh, you know, a doctor, um, in terms of the NBA, like disregarding elderly and, you know, kids and things like that, COVID 19, how risky it is, how risky is it for, you know, healthy NBA players? Because it seems to me like they would probably recover pretty well yeah so you know honestly uh when i thought about this um nba players are pretty healthy right we can consider them like pretty much at the top of like athleticism right mm -hmm. as a result like uh they have felt minimal to no symptoms right and it obviously is based on how healthy you are right not only are they like 20 year olds to 30 year olds but they're also like very fit so i think the risk is pretty low however we don't know too much about coronavirus yet because we still haven't figured out why some people get more sick than other people, even people in their 20s and 30s. We don't know if it's a genetic factor involved, right? And we don't have enough NBA players. I know that all the NBA players until now have had pretty much minimal or no symptoms at all. And we just haven't seen enough people get infected, right? So we don't know. It only takes, I guess, one NBA player to maybe have some bad genes if there was some genetic component to it to get pretty sick from coronavirus. And then that would be another crisis for the NBA as well. So it's difficult to say, but an answer to your question though, overall though, like considering the population of the NBA, I, they, should be, they should be fine, honestly, to tell you the truth, like just based on their health status. 
um, as well as their age, as well as lack of other like comorbidities. But um, it's hard to say. It's hard to fully predict. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the NBA, I guess right now is at a standstill. But um, again, let's see what happens. Uh, we're all waiting to see. Uh, again, I hopefully they just wait it out and have a, a really good next season. But uh, uh, like you said, uh, it does seem like they are pushing very close to returning. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Uh, and, and Sorry, one more thing I just want to add. So I yeah. did listen to your guys' uh uh, podcast uh, last week and i remember you were talking about the whole uh uh it's true and what you were saying right now the asterisks yeah that's true right like do you play out the season and get that asterisk and you guys were also mentioning that it's more of a for a financial incentive and i like completely 100 percent agree right it's like it, it now comes down to like players wanting i mean players wanting their salaries owners wanting to make money the yeah. nba getting that money back as well that's what it's literally coming down to i think at this point well, i think we saw how important money is at the beginning of the season with the whole china fiasco even uh you know uh, a key figure like lebron james was willing to uh uh you know put his uh, <laughs> ethics aside for a quick minute <laughs> in order to yeah. uh save his wallet there but so i mean i get it at the same time, I don't get it because I've never had, you know, billions of dollars on the table or even millions of dollars on the table. Um, so I don't know what that's like. Um, but at the same time, you know, if, if you're already a hundred millionaire, does, uh, you know, another couple million really mean that much to you? Maybe yeah. yes, maybe no. Um, anyways, uh, we'll move on. Um, I'm sure all of you guys have been watching The Last Dance. I know, Curran, you've been watching it because uh, I've seen your comments on the WhatsApp group. Um, Mark and I talked about this a lot last uh, podcast, but uh, Kern, what was your thoughts on The Last Dance? Obviously, we didn't grow up in the time, you know, in the 80s where basketball, or, uh, you know, where Michael Jordan was successful. But what have you learned or anything? What was interesting throughout those 80s, 90s basketball for you? Yeah, so I think the whole, like, mentality of the players, right? Like, uh, uh, this is pretty obvious, but, like, you can tell, like, everyone back then, like, uh, there was a lot of trash talking going on. These guys are straight of, like, gangsters, people. man. Yeah, it was all about being, like, the number one team, right? And, like, looking down at all your opponents for not being the number one team, right? And... It, I think that was I think that was an awesome era, man. And the more the more you watch it, like the more you see everything that used to happen back then, the more you see like the players' mentalities, um, and then all these stories that come out too, right? Where players are saying that, yeah, like fights used to happen regularly in practice, right? That's not like the case anymore, right? Yeah. And like I I don't know what it is. This is like something probably like totally unrelated, but you can just tell like from the way that guys like looked back then, like you see now it seems like it's a lot of like uh it's a lot of like kids right like i can't I, yeah. I can't put my finger on it but like it's just it, they just had a different mentality it's like a different it, a different like grow up and uh yeah well yeah. it's almost like the pg era of basketball right in yeah. terms of uh the content that they're yeah. allowed to put out you you don't see you, there's never again going to be a malice in the palace kind of thing uh you're never going to see that type of you know um aggressiveness and 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 um, yeah, those kind of acts in terms of fighting well, and all that stuff. Those guys had real beef with each other. Like, look at Isaiah Thomas or Zeke. Um, he just was hated, you know, profoundly in the league by every single person. Um, David Robinson said it best. You know, if you're gonna be a bad boy, well, you know, some people just aren't gonna like you because you are a bad boy. And, and because things were so personal back then, um, 
I know, think a lot of that carried over. I think there's still a lot of beefs in the current NBA, but it just seems like a different. Who is time. it? Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns, like the two soft guys. Come on, I don't know as well, much think, as their rivalry. I think is, that's uh, what, what what my point was going to be, though. Is like you got NBA players that go out and play Fortnite now. It's not the same NBA players yeah. of old, where you know you had like Gilbert Arenas bringing guns into the <laughs> locker room. Kind of thing. You won't see that kind of stuff in the current NBA anymore, right? So. I feel like yeah. if, if NBA guys have beef these days, they'll settle it over a game of COD, you know, as opposed to, as opposed to, uh, you know, all that other reckless stuff that they did, did back in the day. Did they say why he was bringing a gun in the locker room? Like, I think he people... had a license for it. I think it was a legal <laughs> gun. I, I, I know when he brought it in, that, that big story that came out, it, it was uh, a dispute over... Gambling or gambling, something? Gambling, I think, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Which is that's pretty serious. <laughs> you're walking around with a gun. <laughs> so, so I like I, I still think there's are. legitimately <laughs> I still think there's legitimate beefs with players in the NBA these days. But I just don't think uh, you know it, it's not that yeah. kind of a age where they're gonna pick a fight over it. So exactly, I, I 100% agree with you. I think that I think that like a lot of players are like like friends deep down right like they're like outside of the court they're like friends right on the court they're just like uh yeah i mean they compete or whatever right but i felt like back in the 90s 80s and 90s they were like not friends off the court some of them were yeah. like legit rivalries and it was between superstar players which i liked right which is uh yeah you don't see that now everyone's kind of like uh, scheming to like make a super team every now and then right so <laughs> yes um, yeah well yeah. that was the that's actually a good point the one of the major differences between now and, and 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 then was michael jordan would never leave the bulls to make a super team he was gonna either you know stay with the bulls and not win a championship ever or figure out a way to win a championship which is exactly what he did uh whereas yeah. now everybody wants a super team everybody Our... wants to go wherever they want to go arguably though people would uh, people who may not favor Jordan so much would say he created the super super team when he came back uh, from baseball. Well, I mean the GM created it. Players. Yeah, I th that's the one thing though is that you never saw any media no uh, articles about Michael, about Jordan, Michael Jordan getting the GM to go yeah. get these guys right. The GM yeah. just came in and brought, and that's the thing about Jordan too. He never really got into the 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 business side of uh, the NBA. He never talked about contracts and things like that despite the fact that he was severely underpaid the fact that pippin was severely underpaid that's never... pippin's fault let's be fair here oh yeah but don't forget michael jordan was also underpaid for a majority of his career as well but he never said anything about it yeah he never talked about that right uh he never talked about the fact that you know let's get rodman let's get these guys right Maybe... well i think i think it's a little unfair for us really to say underpaid because i think what was going on during the jordan era of basketball was because of jordan ratings were going so they, they were spiking so the revenue stream started spiking too so i think the understanding of money may have been a little different because what was it magic johnson had the biggest contract like 20 years 20 million which is like a million a year which is like nothing like that's what entry guys get now right um so uh i think maybe also as well as they didn't know how to go about making contracts like oh you're a 30 million dollar player jordan definitely is a 50 million dollar player in our like in our league now uh but i think um, don't forget with jordan though he only got two years of 30 mil a year before that he was making like three or four mil so yeah. he was definitely underpaid despite it might be his own fault which is probably why he didn't mention it in the media because uh, he probably did what Pippen did and signed a, a longer contract than he should have. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that he was underpaid because I think uh, at least in like the 93 season, 
92 season, there were guys making like 10 mil plus. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, I wonder how much money Jordan was making from endorsements back then, though. That's a good point too. He probably yeah. was because Jordan is by far the most famous athlete ever. Yeah. Um, like you saw it in the documentary, how much beloved he was, and you don't even see that with LeBron James these days, right? No, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, I think Jordan was such a world icon, right? Like every, uh, like okay. Even like my my parents, right? Who didn't really follow basketball, right? They know Everyone who knew is. who Jordan was, right? Yep. My dad's like, I remember one time, I think it was like a long time ago. Chauncey Billups was hitting all these threes, and like he hit all these threes in a row. And my dad's like, Oh, he's like he's like playing like Michael Jordan today, right? And I was like, Oh, you know who Jordan is? Like, yeah. Every, and then my mom's like, Oh yeah. And then my mom says the same thing, like Michael Jordan, but no one knew who LeBron James was, right? Unless they watched the Raptors <laughs> with me, right? And like, <laughs> so Jordan, that's how that's how much he pervaded, like. Yeah. Culture, right? Like everyone just knew who Jordan was. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong, LeBron James is super famous, but not on that yeah. level. Like in today's world, like today, like if we were speaking strictly today, who's the most famous athlete? I would probably say it would probably be either Messi or or uh, um, um, Ronaldo, right? Mm. You're talking about active. Yeah, current active. Yeah, athlete. R- yeah, like Ronaldo, in the world, right? Ronaldo, yeah, Ronaldo or, or Messi, right? So like, and, and, and we think of, of LeBron as this huge messiah, but even if you were to be very subjective, he's not even the most famous athlete today. Yeah. Yeah. He'll go down. Like, I think, I think me and you are talking about it a lot in terms of top 10 players. Yeah. LeBron's pretty high up there just because of his statistical, you know, milestones and obviously the mileage that he's put on himself and his body. So He'll, oh yeah don't get know, me wrong i still think he's the second best of all time yeah it, he'll be lesser known he just won't be as famous i think had he won obviously all the rings that he had an opportunity to yeah we'd be having a lot different conversation yeah. right now you know i kind of wanted to talk about that though actually the rings uh like lebron's every time these comparisons happen right between lebron and michael jordan mm-hmm. the rings always come up and it always takes lebron down right it's like oh well lebron is like a three and six or whatever record in the finals right but like i feel bad for lebron too because it first of all it's a feat on its own to reach the finals that many times but on top of that the teams that he's always run into his uh in the finals have always been these like very elite like super teams right which sometimes his players uh, he just didn't have enough personnel to beat them Mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of it, it is kind of difficult to compare right like his teams were always kind of like the underdog going into the finals. I can't say the same for Jordan's teams, though. They weren't usually the underdogs going into the finals in the first place, right? Like, no. LeBron just didn't have the correct cast. And as well, a result, his finals record suffered. And as a result, his GOAT status also suffers, too. That's an interesting so, point because going back to Jordan, he, I would say in, in those six championships he won, his toughest competition was always in the Eastern Conference Finals and not Detroit the actual Finals, and, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you bring up a good point there. But uh, the one argument I would say is LeBron lost to Dallas in the Finals. A yeah. Dallas team in which the second best player was an aging, what, Marion or an aging uh, kid. Jason Kidd, which one? Which which one do you want to pick? Yeah. Right? So, uh, yeah. that Dallas team was uh, a far cry from a, a, a championship team, and yet somehow they pulled it off against a super superstar-studded uh, Miami team. 
And that goes back to the whole super team thing. Like Brown likes to make super teams and have like three guys make a hundred million dollars. Now what do you have left for everything else? Nothing. And then, you know, you, you did, you sort of, you know, this sort of all accumulated because of the decisions that you decided to make. Right. Yeah. Like I think what it comes down to is like, I'll give LeBron a pass for golden state. You lose to golden state. All right, fine. That's, that's a huge super team. But and he also be golden state. He also beat Golden State. That's down, right. Although it was, one, right? it was a very like everything had to happen perfectly. Uh, Draymond had to get injured. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kyrie Irving had to go off like completely off. I think yeah. he averaged like yeah. forty points that game, uh, that yeah. series. Yeah, he killed him at the end. Yeah. Um, so everything. Steph was injured too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, uh, um, LeBron also lost to the Spurs, right? So mm-hmm. um, he's yeah. lost to a, a few. Basic that I feel like yeah. that I feel like Michael Jordan wouldn't have lost to. Yeah, but I mean that's all yeah, hypothetical. I I that. Yeah, it's it's all hypothetical. Uh, the yeah. question is like, here's a question: If you took Michael Jordan out of all his six championships and you plugged in LeBron, would they have won six championships? That's an interesting question. That is an interesting question. Uh, I don't I, know. Yeah, I I would just give an opinion. I would I would say no. <laughs> I don't think they would have won all six. I think they could have won like four out of six, but I think there are, I think there are things that you have to factor into. It's the, the hard thing is, is that LeBron and Jordan are different styles of play, right? LeBron is this like super dominant person, but at the same time, LeBron makes his team better. His, his game depends on also making his teammates better, which is an amazing skill to have. Jordan wasn't necessarily doing that until much later, right? When he was like convinced to do that, right? And he did do that. But at the end, Jordan just had this like killer individual instinct that is what it took to win those finals games, right? And it's just... Well, that well, that's what I was going to mention was that if you take away all the accolades, all the championships, I think just from an eye test standpoint, when you watch both of these guys play LeBron and, and Jordan, there's something in Jordan that you don't see in LeBron and you don't see in any of the players in the NBA today, to be real. Um, it's just that killer instinct that we haven't seen since, you know, prime Kobe. Um, and I think that's what separates Michael from, from, from LeBron. Yeah, I could see that. You know, another thing is that Jordan, like when you like face Jordan, right? Like you have fear, right? Like uh, the, fans, yeah. the fans have fear, the yeah. players have fears, the coaches are fearful of Jordan, right? Like it's just that like, oh shoot, we're facing Jordan, right? You don't necessarily have that fear with LeBron. Not saying LeBron is not like a fear, but you just don't have that like level of fear that like, oh my god, right? Like he's gonna like, he's like, totally him. destroy us, right? Yeah. And, and again, yeah. going back to Jordan, the thing about Jordan is all of his stories are almost mythical. Like yeah. he's gone to that point where you hear this stuff, and it's kind of like, uh, like who was it that he made up the whole story that uh, the guy said nice game to him, and then he went and destroyed him the next game, and then like ten years later they interviewed him, and he said. Yeah, that never happened. And he just made up the story that that the guy said nice games to him just to fire himself up. Yeah. I was like, Jordan is, is is a different animal. He will use anything He's competitive. to destroy you. Yeah. He's so yeah. competitive. You can't tell him anything about his game. Like even that story with uh, George Carl. Uh, they were eating at the same restaurant and he just like walks by him, doesn't say hello or nothing. Jordan took super offense to that <laughs> and yeah. on, obliterated Utah. <laughs> That's like, right. Oh, man, he takes yeah. things personally. 
but I want to go back to the last uh, the last last week's last week's episode. So prior at our podcast, we were I was saying anyway that I, I thought that he had been suspended because of gambling, uh, being caught gambling in the NBA. And David Stern did it as a quiet uh, sort of uh, disciplinary action for the gambling. But like looking back at the episode, I didn't I didn't I hadn't known that his father was murdered so brutally, and uh, I guess he was just really stressed out with the game and obviously basketball. Uh, his father uh, were big parts of his life. So I could understand, you know, going into this small semi form of retirement uh, just to get away from the game. Cause I know his dad was a big part of the game for him as well. So it, it makes sense to me. And I don't think anymore that it was due to gambling. Obviously they may have sugarcoated it and made it packaged it really nicely in a presentation, but uh, all things considered, I would have to say that he wasn't suspended for you know a season two seasons or whatever it was one season and a little bit due to gambling or 18 months due to gambling but uh more so because he actually needs to step away from the game yeah i agree with that too i think uh, uh i think yeah he just needs to step away from the game i don't know why people are like even like they're just trying to like build up these like conspiracy theories about like oh yeah it was because of this gambling but like we talked about like how how much he brought the game up right and how much financial incentive he was for the NBA as well. I can't imagine him possibly being suspended for like a year or more because of gambling. Yeah. And the other reason makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I still, I'm on the fence on that. I mean, you're coming off three championships in a row. You're in the prime of your career. And like, I, I get it. This thing with his father, obviously that's super disheartening for anybody. It's, it's a crazy, tragic event and something that's going to, you know, change your life. But at the same time, again, you're 33 years old. You're in the prime of the, your career. And don't forget, he's the most famous person in the world at this time, right? So, like, it seems to me like stepping away from the game at that point in time is, 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 is a little bit suspicious for me. Yeah, but I also think it was the, the fact that they were going after him for the gambling as well. And I think he was – I think mentally he was just stressed out. And I know during the Dream Team – uh, a lot of guys had noticed that Michael looked a lot more fatigued than he normally did. It didn't look as energetic. So, uh, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, too, like, if that was the case that, like, he left because of gambling, right? Like, why? Uh, I would suspect that, like, he would, like, keep his body in, like, basketball shape and, like, practice, keep uh, playing ball, and then finally, like, get himself even more ready for when he comes back from his suspension. Not, like, play baseball train his body differently because they talked about like the training regimen that's required for baseball versus basketball lose that basketball side of things and then all of a sudden uh yeah just start playing baseball right like that doesn't that doesn't make any sense for someone who just got suspended but is planning to return eventually to the nba but, but here's the thing though if you're playing baseball we all know how rigorous baseball is right there's 180 games or 160 games in the season how much time is he going to have to go, you know, play basketball on the side to keep himself in basketball shape? Because um, there, there have been reports that he did play basketball, like pickup games with his baseball buddies. But obviously he was playing baseball at the time, so he has to train in baseball. Uh, there's just not enough time, I think, to, to keep yourself in, you know, all-star ready ba uh, basketball shape. And don't forget, he... It only took him after after he came back in halfway through what was in the '95 season. He came back. Obviously, they lost the playoff, but he was a monster the next year. So it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like he, his body was completely out of shape. It, 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 he was right back to where he was the next season. 
Yeah. 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 He's uh yeah, well he, he came yeah, and when he came back uh after that baseball season, uh just I think he, he came uh, close to the end of the season uh to to join them in the playoffs. Uh, he didn't look, I guess, he wasn't as obviously in, in, in as good a shape as he could have been, obviously, because he was training for baseball. Um, but it, it lit a fire under him, all those things. Because they were saying also during the filming of Space Jam, he had that dome with the basketball court. That's right, yeah. The, and the guys' pickup games, yeah. Yeah, where people would be like, hey, you going to Jordan's tent today? And they're like, hell yeah, I am. And uh, just he needs a reinvigoration. So that was cool to see as well. Uh, despite all of that, though, I don't think we'll ever find out, you know, the true reason behind. Uh, or maybe no. we already did. Maybe they, they've said it, and, and you guys are ex- absolutely right. Maybe he just needed a break from basketball, and that's why he took the yeah. year and a half off. But, again, it just still seems all suspicious considering that, again, three championships in a row, man. My goodness. That's insane. Yeah, yeah that's true. You know, honestly, I'm just going to take what's going on into the last dance, literally, and just say that the reason <laughs> that they said there is that what's actually happened, because I was like, why even, like, lie about this, like, 25 years down the road? Yeah, like, what's exactly. The, what's, what's the case with, like, the cover-up, right? You might as well just come out now and say it. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah, my gambling 25 years ago, I learned a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> let's well, let's on. not say that, because how much <laughs> negative stuff was actually in this documentary? Don't forget, all of this stuff that we're seeing in, in the last dance is going through Michael Jordan's production team. Yeah, well, as long as it was bad talking Zeke, it was all good. <laughs> <laughs> so you listened to our podcast last week, uh, Kern. What are your thoughts on Isaiah Thomas? <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's hard to say. I would give a pretty biased opinion. I personally really like, okay, first of all, let me just say, I personally really like Isaiah Thomas. Um, that especially with the way, I mean, the Raptors inception was because of Isaiah Thomas, or he had a huge role to play in that, right? Yeah. Now, going back to a uh, couple of days ago, um, I mean, a couple of years prior to that, I haven't seen him actually in that light before, right? So I haven't seen him kind of like being that like bad boy Detroit. I haven't seen him as like kind of like questionable the sportsmanship, especially like towards the end of the game. Um, so it's, uh, it, it, it's disappointing to see um, with all the things that happened. But I think there are also some bad things that happened to him too, right? Like he was left off the Olympic team, especially if he was like one of the best players. How much, uh, there's all these new rumors flying out now that like Jordan didn't have anything to do with that. And it was just that he may not have fit on that team as well just because he's pissed off so many people. Yeah, Hard to say though. Uh, but I personally really like Isaiah Thomas. But yes, it was a little bit disappointing to see those things with him that like he did those things back in the day. And it could have also been overblown too, because from what a lot of people say is that uh, Isaiah Thomas is a really nice person. It's just, he seemed to have been dealt bad cards and resultantly the people that he pissed off were unfortunately politically powerful people like Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan. So it didn't play to his, you know, his success. Cause even now he's still pretty hated. Like when they were, you see it when uh, they were showing Jordan, the tablet with Zeke talking. And I think it was, uh, Chorus Grant as well, that uh, yeah. they would totally like shun their face at Isaiah Thomas. It wouldn't even like you know after all these years, he wouldn't even uh, you know be you know all right you know I was a little hard on him like I forgive him, but they weren't even like that. Like twenty years down the road, like you know when I fought with my friends in the past, it's taken like maybe five years, maybe max, which is even mm-hmm. which is even a lot, right? But you know still at the same time, I'm like well you know it is what it is, right? So uh, yeah, don't forget that this is like. 
30 years later too, right? Like yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, in all fairness, something that Isaiah Thomas did at the end of the game uh, shouldn't be brought back like 30 years later and now later. Like he has to like defend himself about it, right? It's like, it was a long time ago, right? Things have changed immensely since then, right? And he but, and he got, uh, and he was the only one that got shit about it too. Like you know, walking off the court without shaking hands. He was the only one that got shit. And he, yeah. it was, it was Lambert's yeah. idea. It was Lambert's idea. Hey, you're not shaking anyone's hand on the court. But Mark, who was the captain of that Detroit Pistons team? It was Isaiah Thomas, for sure. That's the thing, man. If yeah. you're the leader of one of the most hated teams in history, yeah. you're going to be the guy who takes the he fall. He gets the guff. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you don't win but, two yeah. championships like that. He was successful too, right? So He was definitely the successful. Actually, yeah. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, Kern. He was. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it, it honestly just adds to the Pistons' success and mystique, right? Like, the, it, it, it adds to their bad boy persona, right? I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing that they didn't shake hands when they walked off the court. It's just a part of their bad boy persona, right? Um, yeah. yeah, don't get me wrong, though. I, I, I don't think the sole reason for hating him is because of the shaking hands thing. Don't forget, the Detroit Pistons team is the same team that tried to, like, injure Michael Jordan, <laughs> try to injure Larry Bird, true. Magic true. Johnson. Like, legit injure, not just foul these guys they try to take them out of the game kind of thing so though it wasn't isaiah oh, okay. thomas maybe full-heartedly doing 100 percent of the beating which i would assume would be the forwards and the centers like lamb beer the true the true <laughs> con man of the group hey man don't forget isaiah <laughs> thomas was not an angel either i just saw a clip the other day where uh i forget who elbowed him but somebody elbowed him and then he choked his own assistant <laughs> coach <laughs> that's like uh a, a spruel or I forget who it was. Uh, but, Latrell uh, Srirel on the Knicks. Yeah. But, but everything <laughs> apparently was good between IT or not IT. Ah. Oh. <laughs> uh, Zeke, uh, Zeke and, and, and that assistant coach, because I think they interviewed them after, and the assistant coach was basically saying, I knew he was frustrated, so I let him take his frustrations out on me as opposed to getting him you know, kicked out of the game. <laughs> I was like, all right, but like... Take one for the team, man. You're, you're never going to have to go to LeBron James and say, hey, take your frustrations out on me. Choke me. Choke me, yo. Choke me. I like it. <laughs> oh, man. So this is the last week for the last dance. So uh, I guess I'm interested to see how they ended. I don't, I don't know about you guys. Are you guys going to rewatch it once it's out? Um, I don't I think may, I will now. I may not, but um, I feel like this has opened my eyes to because apparently there's a lot of really good documentaries on 80s and 90s basketball. So I may start, you know, researching and start watching some of those. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the main thing though is that there's a lot of 80s and 90s basketball that I have not seen, and it's 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 time for me to get educated uh, because. It's it's exciting, man. Watching Michael Jordan play is something I haven't seen in t again in today's game, except for prime Kobe. Can you imagine watching Michael Jordan play in HD? Like all those clips of him are like from standard definition, and it's terrible because the f the lighting is following the screen as it moves. It's so terrible to see Michael. If they could somehow remaster it into HD, I think I would watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are some good moments though from the last dance, right? Like Kobe Bryant yeah. in there. Kobe like, was an amazing. Kobe, yes. Yeah. That was sad. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it, it's sad. It's always sad to watch it, and it's just like, man, it was, I think he was like close to his rookie season. I don't know when it was, right? But yeah. just like Michael Jordan and all those guys talking about him back then, right? Yeah, it's, it's cool to watch. 
And they talked really like great about him too, which is super interesting because Jordan doesn't take anyone on seriously, let alone a kid. So uh, it was well, nice Col- to see. Kobe is legitimately probably the only player that was able to befriend Michael Jordan on that level, right? Because yeah. they talked often. Uh, well, Jordan would give him lots of tips and all that stuff. And you hear what he says. Kobe always says when they try to compare me to Jordan, it's like, you can't really compare us because I'm just another version. I'm a... I'm a version of him that that has been, you know, trained. Sorry, I totally screwed that up. It goes back to what Jordan said, though, um, whether Kobe would beat him on one-on-one or anyone would beat him on one-on-one. He said, the only person that would beat me on one-on-one is maybe Kobe because he stole all my moves. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So so it's clear that, you know, those two were very similar and Kobe learned a lot from Jordan. Um, Now, a question for you, Kurt, and I asked uh, Mark this last week. Top five players of all time after watching The Last Dance. Who you got? Oh, man, that's hard. Okay, uh, can Joe, we you agree think, that okay. Jordan is well, number one? Yes, Jordan's number one. Yeah. Okay, okay. Jordan's now number, number two. <laughs> the, next, the, next, the next couple of players, uh, the problem is, is that I don't know too much about like the old like historical players, right? Mm-hmm. But... Uh, um, All right, it's fine. You can make it your own personal list based off of what yeah, you Yeah, just know your personal list. Your personal top five. My personal top five, I would have to put. Uh, I, I would have to put Kobe Bryant as number two. Yeah, Ooh, ahead what, of LeBron. Yeah, oh, I yeah. did that too. Yeah, oh, I agree. It, it, wow. it's hard. It, it's honestly hard though. It's it's. Hard. I you know I can actually debate that in my head too. I, another day I may put LeBron ahead of Kobe. It, no, it's hard, but no, I got LeBron ahead of Kobe, and I, no. I don't think it's even close. To be quite honest, no. No. And don't get me wrong, Kobe's a great player, and he's definitely in my top 10, but I don't even have him in my top five, probably. Because uh, yeah. for me, I got like Jordan, LeBron, and then, uh, you know, whether you want to put Bird, Magic, um, uh, Will Kareem. Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Kareem, any of those guys, like those guys for me are ahead of Kobe. And then I could potentially put Shaq ahead of Kobe as well. I probably wouldn't, but I could potentially. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I guess number two. Yeah, number two, I would have, uh, I would have picked uh, Kobe, and then uh, man, uh, number three, I would probably pick Bird. Number four, I would pick Magic Johnson, and number five, I would pick. Uh, um, uh, LeBron. LeBron. All right. And you, I knew you were gonna say LeBron. I was like, you gotta say LeBron. <laughs> Yeah, I was sense. thinking of like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but that, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's because we didn't we didn't grow up with those guys, and and yeah. and also to be fair, those guys were facing competition that were in nowhere in their league. Like you hear the stories about uh, was it was it uh Will was it Will Will Chamberlain yeah or Bill Russell one of those guys they would party all night. They okay so it's they would probably party. Will <laughs> it's probably Will, will. Yeah. party all night. No no sh- no shit of a lie. Ten thousand women. Oh man. He will go. He he's in New York, Madison Square Garden. They play the game. He, he dominates. They win. He goes partying from I don't know twelve to about probably two or three in the afternoon the next day, and go into the game without practicing and just dominate once again. So I don't think current NBA players can party like that only to go into the game and be successful it tells you something about competition level as well. So when we don't put those guys in, it's not disrespectful. It's just that we didn't grow up with them. And we also don't. Well, I, and that's a good point too, because I think Wilt <clears throat> and Bill Russell, when they played, there was only like 12 teams in the league at the time. 
There weren't yeah. as many. There were teams. many. Yeah. yeah. As dominant as they were. That's why I put Kobe pretty high up there to drop 81 points. Uh, pretty impressive. Second most ever, right? So uh, my, my, my issue with putting uh, Kobe ahead of LeBron, and specifically LeBron, is the fact that uh, LeBron played a prime Kobe, we could say, right? Mm-hmm. And for the most part, LeBron has always beaten Kobe in terms of their record, head-to-head record and all that stuff. Is that uh, true? Yeah, yeah. If you look at the head-to-head numbers, maybe you'll, you can pull it up now, but um, I'm pretty sure he has a pretty good winning record against Kobe. Okay, because I always remember when he faces when uh, LeBron faces Kobe. Kobe usually plays D on him like really fiercely, and usually will slow him down at least. I don't know about the winning because obviously that's, Le- that's LeBron possible. has been on great teams. Yeah, that's possible as well, right? Like, because I I didn't actually check the individual stats, but I just know that their head to head record. I think LeBron has like a two to one record on him. They only f- played each other three times. No, 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 no. Like ratio wise, oh, 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 two to oh, one. Ratio. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So. Um, so that's my gripe. And, and again, like I said, I just think LeBron is the second best because you have to factor in the longevity. The yeah. fact that he hit, you know, eight straight finals or however many straight finals it was, that's an insane feat. So when, when you use the, his finals records as a knock for him, you also got to use it as a, as a positive for LeBron because the fact that anyone can make eight straight finals is an insane amount of finals. And don't forget, he made the finals too when he was with that crappy Cavaliers team that had nobody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, that's another thing you also got to factor in as well, right? The amount of impact that one can have on a team, right? You see when LeBron leaves a team, how devastated that team is, how much they, <laughs> they go from a championship team to like literally like dark somewhere hole. between 13 and 15 in the, in the league. And that impact, like you have to factor that into consideration too, right? Like, uh, it's also I don't because think the Chicago Bulls were that bad without Jordan, right? Like Jordan left, but they still made it to the playoffs. They still made it they to still the They still won semifinals. 54 games, man. Yeah. I think they, so you... that was like one short of the record before with Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. So now you add Jordan there, of course you become a championship team. LeBron can, we have seen so much, we have seen him have so much impact, right? Even on the Lakers, you see it in the first year when he got injured. Um, Lakers just weren't that good this year. I know they also have Anthony Davis as well and some other players, but LeBron, his uh, impact is undisputed. Like He elevates your team for sure. And he also uh, depletes your team when he leaves. He just sucks the soul out or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's again, that goes to his these... impact, though. That goes to his impact. Because he steals your soul and then he leaves. See you later, suckers. Don't forget, <laughs> uh, that Cavaliers team had Ka- uh, not Kawhi, sorry, Kyrie Irving for the longest time. And they were a lottery team with Kyrie Irving. And then LeBron James rejoins them and all of a sudden <laughs> they beat <laughs> the, the Golden State Warriors. And then, and then Kyrie gets pissed off and he leaves. Yeah, because yeah. Kyrie could feel his soul being taken away from him. And he's like, no, no. I can't be with this guy. <laughs> <Anyways>. <laughs> oh, man. Where uh, is Kyrie Irving now? I haven't seen him in a long time. He's injured. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. had to go for surgery, I think. And, well, that's uh, a good question. So, Curran, what, what are your expectations for Brooklyn next year? They have two of the finals. most controversial players in the league in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You got to miss finals, Mark. They have to be finals for this to be a successful season. No, that's true, but do you have them in the finals? Yeah, I have them in the finals. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, 
I'm kind of uh, I would be a little bit worried about them. I do think they need like one more piece, right? It uh, like one more it doesn't have to be like a superstar player, but they need like one more like good player on their team, right? Um, it's hard to say though because the East is packed, right? Like you have you still have Milwaukee. If you assume that Giannis is on Milwaukee, you have these other teams as well. Brooklyn, although they're really good, I can't peg them for the finals just yet. I peg them definitely for the Eastern Conference Finals, but uh, it's hard to say because. There is a lot of other competition there, and the difference is the reason why I'm uh, the reason why I'm also saying this is because those other teams have been together for a long time, and they're gonna figure stuff out for the first time with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So but we'll that, see what happens. But. but also at the same time, they don't know what to expect with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, uh, just because they've never seen them play. You got DeAndre Jordan there, Jared Allen there, Karis LeVert there, Joe Harris there, Joe Harris who led three-point shooting, I believe, last season, or is leading it this season, I forget. Um, yeah, you have uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, mind you, Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't do as well when Kyrie plays, which is understandable, but they definitely have a team. They're very deep as well. Um, I, definitely, they need to come together as a unit and not be as separate as KD and Kyrie Irving uh, appear to be you know, on a nightly basis. Um, but it's going to be up to them. Um, for me, I think they do make the finals. And if they don't make the finals, it's bust. It's a complete bust of a year. Uh, and these guys are trying to become leaders. Kyrie did a poor job of it last year. And Boston being a leader, Kevin Durant was never a leader, period, in my opinion, even on OKC. Um, and obviously, jumping ship to Golden State, uh, he wasn't the leader. And then he never he said he never felt anything for the championship. So here's your chance to be a leader. You're going to have to be co-leader with Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving also left because of leadership issues. So uh, that's my two cents on it. Here's what I'll say about KD and his leadership. I think you're right that he's not a vocal leader, but it's hard to say that he's not a leader in the sense that he's the best player on the, on the floor leading the team. It's kind of like uh, when I look back at uh, – and not – obviously to this extent, but when I look back at last year's Raptors team, uh, Kawhi Leonard wasn't the leader in terms of being vocal, but he was clearly the leader on the floor in terms of being the best player on the floor and leading that team in his play. Uh, so that's sort of how I peg KD. Uh, we've seen when he gets off and he's unstoppable that, you know, like in the 11 minutes against the Raptors, how he can lead his team in that way. But yeah, I don't think he's a leader in the traditional sense. So uh, I want to talk about that Kawhi and uh, Kyle Lowry. So Kyle Lowry is definitely our leader. He's our floor general. He's everything, right? And I think what happened with DeRozan was, uh, and I, we've spoken about this many times, was that they, were, they, were, they had such respect for each other that one didn't necessarily want to take that you know, role as leader to you know, sort of say, well, I'm the leader. The rest of you guys got to listen to me. And I think, what, I think to your point that uh, <clears throat> Kawhi Leonard didn't want to come in as a leader, but he felt, like you said, to, when there were times where they needed advice and they weren't necessarily getting from uh, uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, he could offer it. And it was simple things like relax, have fun, don't think about the last periods, just play forward. And we saw, you know, huge comebacks and obviously a championship win. Um, so you're right. There are different kinds of leaders, but I don't think Kevin Durant is that kind of Kawhi Leonard cool head leader. He seems to be very emotional for a guy that would create multiple Twitter accounts to fight fans or, or <laughs> non-fans. Just seems completely strange to me, especially if you're a leader. The one thing you got to realize about being a leader is you're going to get shot in the back a few times by a few different people. That's just the reality of the game. And you got to take that in stride or, you know, be a bitch like Kevin Durant. 
<laughs> I wasn't even thinking about being a leader in that sense about being cool and calm. I was actually thinking about like a leader in the sense that, all right, oh shit, we just, you know, had 10 points scored straight on us. Who do we give the ball to? Yeah. Kevin Durant, please take the ball, lead us to, lead us into the promised land kind of thing. That's that's how I see KD. And that's how I saw Kawhi last year. That's why, you know, that last shot in Philly, it was very clear that he was going to get the ball. That whole play was run for him. Right? Yeah. So that's how I have KD. Um, and, and I think it's pretty obvious that he has the talent to be that type of a leader. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I think it was, uh, I think a few days ago was the anniversary of that shot. It I was. believe it was yeah. Monday or Tuesday was the anniversary of that shot. That's right. Yeah, I had a drink <laughs> last night, that night. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I just looked at my uh, picture, uh, as I do multiple times, and just, just to remember that special, special moment when everything changed. It's so one of those moments where you remember where you are. Yeah. That oh, night, man. right? Just, just to round off the podcast here, uh, Kern, uh, what are your thoughts on the Raptors in terms of, because obviously after this year, uh, Fred Van Leet's going to be a free agent. I believe Serge is going to be a free agent. I believe Marcus Gasol is also a free agent. So uh, what do you think the Toronto Raptors have to do either to keep this team intact or do they blow it up and, 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 and start anew? What, what, what are your thoughts? I don't know. As much as I want to say blow it, uh, I mean, as much as I want to say that they may blow it up, Masai Ujiri has surprised us until now. He has never blown up the team up till this point, despite many times that he was supposed to. So now, just based on our history, I don't think we're going to blow it up. I think just based on what he said before as well, right? He's like, we don't really rebuild. The goal is always to win every single year, right? If he has that mentality in place, then I think what he's going to plan, I, I think what's going to happen is um, they're gonna put an. Uh, they're gonna try to re-sign Fred VanVleet. There's no. There's no question about that because one is he's an amazing player, but two is Masai Ujiri like personally handpicked this guy. So hold and, on, how much do you give VanVleet if you're Masai Ujiri? Oh man, it's kind of hard because <laughs> uh, I have to imagine teams are gonna offer him like twenty, 20 million. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be twenty mil, and I think that's what's gonna happen too. He's gonna get twenty mil. Uh, that's that's so that's the issue. That's the issue, though. That's a lot that of money. It's it's a lot of money you're going to be giving to him, which can like financially like strap us uh, for like signing any other free agents, right? Yeah. And I think like Toronto's overall goal is to get Giannis, and everything they're going to do right now will be around that, right? To make sure that they're free for that, right? And as a side note, um, we need the Brooklyn Nets to go to the finals to make sure that Giannis does not stay in Milwaukee. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> we already they already lost this year too right like that's already one out of two years lost for Giannis yep hey um, hold on uh, just but... one second I heard Milwaukee is one of the most racist uh places in the world or in the states is that true Kern I don't know I, I don't know if Milwaukee is that right okay in all honesty uh so with uh so with uh, Milwaukee is in Wisconsin right do I have yes. that right yeah yes yeah. yep so uh Wisconsin is right beside my state um I don't, I don't know if it's actually like, uh, I haven't personally been there. Like I went to, I went to like some, uh, yeah, I went to Wisconsin. I had to go to a university there for like some conference, but that was a university and that's different. Um, I honestly, I don't know if it's actually like a racist place though. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I haven't heard too many stories though. Interesting. There, so. Okay. And the, the only reason yeah. I heard that was after the whole, uh, do you guys remember, um, what's his name? Sterling on on the Milwaukee Bucks and he got tased by the police officer there. 
Um, and then all these stories started coming out saying that Milwaukee is like one of the most racist places to live in the States. Uh, so I just wanted to confirm if it was true or not. But anyways, yeah. uh, going back to your thought, Kurt. Uh, oh, Van uh, Fleet and those guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, Van Fleet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> so, yeah, I think, uh, I think, uh, I, I think, so they're going to do everything they can to re-sign Fred Van Fleet. But if they think that in any way it will compromise them getting Giannis in the future, they won't do it. But they'll do everything short of that. That's fair. So I think their priority is to re-sign him for sure. But um, yeah, he may not be willing to pay as much as other teams. But I can just imagine other teams giving him like a ton of money. Yes. Fred Van Fleet, the way he plays, like first yeah. of all, he's like super successful. Yeah, uh, he's such a good player, and on top of that, like he's uh, he's coming from a championship team with championship pedigree, which yeah goes and, a long way. And he, he had any a huge ro- yeah, and he had a huge role in those uh, playoffs last year. So yeah. yeah. Uh, Almost finals MVP. Anyone would take that. It's like it's like he got one vote yeah. back in the day, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost it's, it's 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 all but certain in that case though that if we were to sign Van Vliet, that we would have to let at least one of Surge or Marcus Gasol go, if not both. Of Surge them. is gone. I think Surge is gone. I don't even think we're gonna keep him. Oh, that's oh. That's... I feel like Gasol will be gone. I feel like Surge will take pay cuts to be here though. You think so? I don't I think, think so. He's only twenty. I, he's only twenty-seven or twenty-eight, I guess, when he becomes free. So he's still young. For me, I feel like Serge is probably going to get one more big paid contract uh, coming up, and then after that, he'll it's going to be like lower contracts. So for me, I feel like he has to take the biggest contract on his next one because after that, say it's going to be a four-year, five-year, he's done. He's done. Yeah. And mind you, like he's good. But to me, he doesn't change the game like Marcus All sort of changes the game. Marcus All's super old, so I think we can get him for a good price as well. Uh, Serge, I don't think you're gonna get yeah, for a very true. good price. Yeah, yeah, Gasol, yeah, Gasol is old though; he's declining. But yeah, he does impact the game. Yeah, he has impact the playoffs is, last year, right? Yeah, he like, only has to play 20 minutes, and he makes a huge impact, right? That's a difference. Exactly. Between, even, yeah. You know, all you need is a plus two in the game. So, as an example, you know, to make that difference, to win by a point or win by two points, so. To me, Marcus Hall gives true. you that. Like, yeah, that's true. And like Valanciunas, like uh, he puts up big numbers, but he just didn't have that same impact that like Gasol had. Yep. In the yeah, playoffs, you're right. Uh, and uh, obviously, after this year, the big one is Kyle Lowry is going to be a free agent. Uh, his one year, thirty three million dollar or whatever it was extension is ending after uh, next year. What do we do? Because obviously, we're going to offer Giannis whatever he wants. Um, what do you think happens with Lowry? Well, one, I think we're going to build a statue of Lowry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a given. No, no. That's a given. Yeah. I agree with that. So Lowry now has become, uh, well, okay, uh, this could potentially be a debate, but like uh, he's, to my, in my head, he's the greatest Raptor of all time, right? Agreed. For his longevity, for the ups and downs that we've been through, but also, of course, we won a championship as well in one of those ups. Um, he's, uh, and I think like he, at the end of the day, like he will get to go wherever he wants to go. Right now. What do we do for him? If he wants to stay on the Raptors, I think Kojiri will do what he can to make him stay on the Raptors. But then again, I'm not a hundred percent sure about that because we've seen other players <laughs> go, uh, we've seen other players, uh, uh, who have been like super low to the Raptors also get traded. Right. Um, it's hard to say, I don't know what, uh, I don't know what they're going to do. It's, it's like, uh, you 
I would want to re-sign Lowry, but Lowry is going to be a lot older at that time too. So it depends on how his play is doing well. But we got to give Lowry credit how well he's playing right now at this age. This is the age where people are already dwindling down, and he's been playing at a pretty high level. At prime Very surprising, level. This is probably the, you yeah. know, the same level that he's played at his best. This is Kyle Lowry yeah. post-Kawhi uh, Leonard leadership program. Graduation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like, how does he play that well, right? Like, it's... Uh, like he's all, more, all the players like start dying at this age, right? Like or like a year before, like he's, he's thirty four years old. He's playing like a veteran, he's smarter. He's not putting his. He is definitely putting his body on the line still, which I think he needs to stop doing as much because he actually has a very bad back, uh, as much as it's not talked about. Uh, but well, I, he's he's a lot more mature with the way he plays. I think the thing about Lowry too is you got to understand that he is a late bloomer. Uh, he didn't start becoming a crazy all-star until a couple of seasons in with the Toronto Raptors. And, and even before that, he had a couple of seasons with Houston where he was battling a starter spot against Aaron Brooks, you know, like, <laughs> so we're talking yeah. about a guy who didn't have much mileage until the last like six, seven years. Yeah. He was a kid when we yeah. brought him in too. Oh, yeah. So that That's was a, a very risky move, but it paid off obviously. But Lowry has also taken some years off too, right? Like there are years where he's like, okay, this is the year I'm going to give more assists and stuff and his production goes down. And then he's like, okay, this is the year I'm going to score more and his production goes up, right? So he's done that too. Yeah. I think you try and sign him. You you have to sign him, period, because he's he's the first championship holder, a bearer of the Toronto Raptors. You got to give him whatever. Uh, It'll be up to him whether he takes a dirt contract or not. There's uh, no way that we can hard. give him whatever, though, because, again, if we're trying to legitimately go after Giannis, that's all of our cap space right there. Uh, so realistically speaking, like, we'll probably only have, I don't know, 10 or 15 mil for, for Lowry, if yeah. that much. Yeah, but I think Lowry will take it, though. I think if, if it's presented to the option that, hey, Lowry, we can't pay you that much because we're going to re-sign, I mean, we're going to sign Giannis, and he actually agrees, that Lowry will take whatever pay cut necessary in order to compete for a championship that year, his last year probably of, like, competing for a championship. And couldn't they also sign him for a year for 10 mil, only to re-sign him for, like, 30 mil if, you know, we don't get Giannis anyway? Like, Still can they, be a win-win. They they definitely could do that, um, and I think for the most part, you guys are right. I would say the only team I'm worried about getting Lowry is Philly, just because born and He's, raised in Philly, right? Yeah. Um, also, and, fuck Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it could be F uh, Embiid. Um, everybody's <laughs> blaming Ben Simmons, but Embiid has has not shown that he's the X factor either. So. Now, lastly, I do just want to give a quick shout out and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about him uh, for this last little bit here. But uh, DeRozan, former Raptor, former beloved Raptor, his contract ends after, I believe, this year. Where does he go to? Do you think the Raptors have a chance of getting him back? <laughs> I would love to see him back. Uh, but that'll definitely ruin our plans with, Gian- with Giannis. So. I don't think that's going to What happen. type of contract do you expect uh, DeRozan to get? How much is he making now? 30 mil, right? He must be getting close to 30. Uh, he's probably worth, probably now, I don't know, 20 mil? I would say 20 mil as well, but like, if you're going to give Van Fleet 20 mil, for example, he's worth yeah, you more have than to give Van Fleet, him, right? Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. It's a tough one. I'd love to see yeah. him back here, but... Yeah, I would love to see him back here, but realistically, I don't see him coming back here for. I, I mean, I I don't think, I, I think it I think his style will just con- uh, like kind of clash, right? Like now we have Siakam, who's like 
pretty much like rising and he's going to be like our go-to guy, right? Uh, but you never know. You never know how these players mesh, right? Like they played together before too, right? That would be yeah. fun to watch, but I realistically I, don't see it happening. But I, I have do a want bad, to see him back in a Raptor uniform. I have a bad feeling he's going to end up on like New York because New York will be willing to pay him whatever. Just like they gave Julius Randle a huge contract. Uh, so that's my fear for him. And I hope he, he stays away from teams like Sacramento and New York and just see shit, shit like foundational teams uh, and go Dude, somewhere he that just, he at least yeah. has a chance. He should go to the Clippers, man. Join Kawhi, win a championship with him. I agree with that. All will be forgiven. Yeah. But they can't, they can't <laughs> afford forget about that. this. Well, yeah. that's the thing with DeRozan. DeRozan's a tough player because contenders won't sign him because he's – not good enough to be a leader on a contender team, but he's too expensive for a contender to kind of bring on as a role player. Yeah. Um, so he's in a tough position where, like Mark said, he may very well have to go to the New Yorks, uh, to the Sacramentos, to those type of teams who uh, just kind of need a star, uh, but aren't really looking for a championship. Yeah. And I don't think teams like the Clippers can afford him. Lakers definitely can't afford him unless AD leaves. Um, uh, I mean, where else do you go? I, Mark, I you, Mark, you really hate the Lakers, man. <laughs> I do, oddly, <laughs> considering, considering I like Kobe. That's funny. I want the best for DeRozan, though. Like, I want I do. him to win a championship, like, uh, regardless, uh, like, wherever he goes. Like, yeah. just considering all the stuff that's happened to him, like, if you read about his, like, personal life, too, and then on top of that, yeah, everything yeah. that happened on the court. Yeah. For but sure. Then, I don't know. But I think you're absolutely right. He's one of those players. He's too good that you have to give him like a pretty large contract, or uh, but but he's probably really like he can't elevate your team high enough to like justify no. that contract either. No, and, and that was my sorry, mm-hmm. Ed. Yeah, no, no, and I was gonna say that goes back to our uh, if you remember our first podcast where we were talking about Greg Popovich and the Spurs, you know, and them not having any players. It sort of adds onto that conversation where DeRozan wasn't enough, you know, to elevate that team to a playoff position. You know, and, let alone. And, and that's no knock on DeRozan. There are no, no. very few players like that. There are a lot of players like DeRozan that are very skilled but don't have that that level of, you know. It's uh, just that tipping point to yeah. make them, you know, impact player. Because he doesn't have Yeah, one. you look at it. And he, you could even say, uh, arguably, you could say a guy like uh, Dame Lillard, who is super clutch, is not a guy who can elevate your team to a championship. Uh, and to be honest, there's very few guys, probably like five guys in the league who can really elevate you by themselves to a championship. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a tough situation to be in. Uh, but that said, I do think uh, if you okay. put all those guys on, on a list, DeRozan is closer to a Bradley Beal than he is to like a, a Dame Lillard. So, okay, I'll ask you guys this question then. If you're DeRozan right now, what's your mindset? Is it money or is it try to get on a team that maybe has a content, a shot, like a Portland, like one of those lower-tier playoff teams? What would you choose if you're in DeRozan's shoes right now? Money or a possible contender? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, I, would I would say s- contender. Sorry. Okay, go, go ahead. ahead. Good, good, Kurt. Contender, no, I, I would say contender. I think he's uh, he's already made a lot of money in his life, and he's shown from all his interviews that that's probably not what is driving his like happiness at this point. Um, I think I think he wants that. I think he wants to go to a contender and possibly like have a chance for a championship. Um, and I think that would be his mentality going forward. Whether or not that happens, though, it's another story. 
For me, I feel like DeRozan just wants to play somewhere that he wants to play, that he likes to play. I feel like if, for example, the Raptors were to have kept him and retired him and he just made first, second round all of those years, he would be content with that because he loved the place that he played in. Uh, so for me, if he were to go back home, for example, like say he went to the Clippers or L.A., obviously they're contenders as well. Uh, but because uh, they're, they're close to home, that might be a place that he's happy to play with. Uh, for me, I don't think the championship is the ultimate motivator for him. Uh, I just ultimately think he wants to go somewhere where he's happy with his teammates, happy with his coaches. He probably gets paid well, all of that stuff combined. Um, so that's kind of how I see it. Mark, what do you got? Uh, for me, uh, I think you just you got to go for the money. I'm going to be the anti guy here. Uh, I don't think there's a team with enough money to not only ensure that he wins a championship. Because, again, I said, you know, a low tier contender like a Portland team that's, you know, struggling to get into a championship mode, not necessarily struggling to get into playoffs. Uh, so I think you're always going to sort of be like, right now because stars are emerging like Luke Lunches, uh and there's a few other guys uh, that are starting to emerge that are going to get the big contracts that a team are going to be looking to build around them. DeRozan's sort of hard to build around or to add in to a build around because uh, you don't really know where he fits in because he's a mid-range sort of lay-in guy so he definitely takes opportunities away. He has a ball in his hand. Uh, he is definitely a catch and shoot but he does have the ball in his hands a lot. I mean he's averaging I think 25 5 and 5 so he's in that respect I'm pretty sure he's ball dominant and in a lot of things he does. So uh, also being from LA, he could definitely end up on a Sacramento-like team. So take the money. Um, it is what it is at this point. Um, I don't know if you can really win with anybody. Sorry to say that. And I like DeRozan. Yeah, I think the only way I see DeRozan winning is if he is okay with being like the fourth option. Fourth fiddle, yeah. yeah. And he might yeah. be coming maybe off the bench th if that's the point. Maybe third option, but uh, like realistically third or four off fourth option i don't think he wins if he's the second or first yeah in an odd like viewpoint and a different reality maybe if he comes off the bench as a six man i think he could kill it uh, well, something uh, like a lou will kind of thing uh, and let's not forget though DeRozan was never like he wasn't a top three draft pick or anything what was he drafted i think ninth or something like that yeah uh, ninth. Yeah. so to have these expectations that he's going to be the number one option to a championship team is it's Ludicrous. difficult right yeah it's kind of he was the ninth overall, right? Like how many ninth overalls have had a career as successful as his, right? So yeah. he's definitely done well for, for what he was projected. But I think because we've had him as a star player, we have much higher expectations of him. But realistically speaking, he was, again, a ninth overall. So What troubles boggles my mind too is like if everyone's knocking your three-point game, you're a shooter. Why not practice the three-point game? It's not that hard. You're a shooter already. You're just shooting a little for – like literally his shot percentage – a little off, like away from the line and within the line or like completely different worlds, which it blows my mind. It's a good question, but then you got to ask, why did Shaq never learn how to shoot free throws? <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> he didn't need to, man. He was so dominant. There's a lot of, you know, like why has, why has uh, um, Lonzo Ball not learned how to shoot? You know, there's a lot of good questions out there. Why has Ben Simmons not shot a single three-pointer after... Uh, uh, what's what's their coach's name? Um, Brett, Sorry, what's Brett? Uh, you know Philly. Oh, Philly. Uh, Brett Brown. Yeah. Why does Brett, Brett? You know, Brett Brown openly came out and said, you know, we want him to shoot threes, and he and he still hasn't shot a three in a game. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, like, it, I, I think it's it's harder than it looks to kind of change up your game. 
Yeah, that's fair too. Also, Lamelo yeah. Ball is looking like he's going to be the first first pick overall. Yeah, he's getting that much hype. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised. He's like six, what six nine? I don't know if he's six nine, six eight maybe. Yeah, he's something. Like, he's pretty super tall. tall though, and he plays as a point guard. Yeah. So I mean, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. Remember when Sean Livingston came into the league? There was a lot of hype behind him because he yeah. was a tall point guard. And he broke his leg. Yeah. And then he won championships. Yeah, then he won so championships. Small, <laughs> small prices you have to pay. Everything worked out. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyways, guys, I, I think that's uh, that's it for the Russell Ball podcast for this week. Again, thank you, Kern, for joining us. Um, insight is always uh, well uh, appreciated and welcome. Um, so hopefully everybody stays safe. So uh, last words starting with Mark. Wubba wubba lub dub. All right, Curran, anything you want, you want to say? <laughs> no, I just want to say thanks for having me on the show today. It's always been a pleasure. I know I was on the show uh, about two, three months ago, so this is a neat way to do it. Um, I'll be happy to come back anytime. Just invite me over, and I'm down. And I'll be coming back to Toronto in two months. So hit uh, us so, up, hit so, us yeah, up. Yeah, maybe hit when you come up. back to Toronto, we'll be able to get back. We'll be able to have the live shows again, like in person. Uh, but till then, we'll do this over Zoom. Um, and again, you've been listening to the Russell Paul, Russell Ball podcast, excuse me. Uh, my name is Joseph Tai. You've been joined alongside me with uh, Mark Belaraj and Kern Badwell. Uh, so without further ado, take care, guys. Stay safe and have a good one. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs>